You might have seen the headlines lately on Governor Yunkin's latest appointments, like the Secretary of Education and Health and Human Services. But what do those appointments mean for the values Christians care about, like defending the unborn and parental rights? We're going to dive into that today. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, you know, I'm still somewhat new to Virginia. This is my second winter here, and we've been having some snow. It's a lot more than last year. So is this kind of typical or is this out of the ordinary? I personally don't think there's a typical for Virginia. I feel like some winters we get snow and some winters it's like beautiful outside and you're hardly wearing a coat for most of the winter. So I, and maybe that's the Pennsylvania roots that I have, but I just feel like it's very unpredictable down here. It doesn't feel standard. Well, I have to share when I first moved here, we had like a few inches of snow and I went in to get one of those rotisserie chickens in the grocery store and they're all gone. And I asked them, what's going on? And they said, well, the storm's coming through. And, I, you know, I was just like, what storm? That It's not even sticking to the ground. <laughs> but I also have to laugh at you because this last snowstorm we had, um, you shared that you just basically stopped breathing <laughs> Which, <laughs> when you're driving in snow. Yeah, I don't like to drive in snow. I Even even having more northern routes, I don't like driving in snow. I had an accident where I slid on ice and um, really hurt my car. I was okay. This is 20 years ago or so. But I still, when it's snowing, you're going to see me like a, like a kind of like an elderly individual who's gripping the wheel. <laughs> and yes, I stop breathing. And then I realize like, wait, you haven't taken a breath. Like this is, you're making it harder on yourself <laughs> if you don't breathe. But I, I do, I feel very intense driving in snow. Which I just is- don't like it funny because you're so intrepid, you know, facing down LGBT activists and pro-abortion activists, and yet, you know, you stop breathing. When and no one would characterize my non-weather driving as um, timid or concerned. I'm sort of, but um, snow is a different thing. And it is, I think it is literally, you have an accident and you just have a different mindset. You think about it differently in the future, unfortunately. Well, I just have to say, you know, in your defense, this whole pile up we had a while back on 95 where people were sitting in their cars for 24, 48 hours. I mean, that that was getting into the cray cray. Kind of, um, I mean, does this kind of show the inefficiency of big government thinking when you, you know? Well, it does show how Virginia, I mean, the more northern you are, the more prepared for snow the entire transportation system is. They have salt and they salt the roads and they have more trucks. And in Virginia, because it is hit or miss, I think they really often, unfortunately, miss on the road preparation also. And so there was a lot of controversy over whether this particular incident could have been avoided. But I will tell you, the idea of sitting in my car, if somebody, if I had been one of those people, I mean, I think I would have been traumatized by an overnight experience. It was in the teens, and it was not fun for these folks. I just, I'm, I, they got to do better than that. (laughs) It's pretty scary, and I can't help thinking you've got this big government regime trying to say that you need to go to them for everything from every little decision on education and health care. And yet when it comes to something we really need from government, like basic traffic care help, that's lacking. So Well, and it's more than that because they should have, I mean, in Georgia when this happened, they sent the National Guard to hand out blankets and, you know, basic food. I mean, I'm not sure. That's a government function. We didn't have that one either. Exactly. Well, to jump into today's topic, the good news is Governor Yunkin is making some really great appointments lately. They're pretty exciting. I mean, let's just start off with K. Cole James for Secretary of the Commonwealth. 
Yeah, I mean, I think conservatives are looking this pick and they are real happy because most conservatives know her most recently from being president of the, the Heritage Foundation. So there's this great, you know, conservative think tank and she's been running that for many years. Um, Virginians do know her for longer than that. So she actually was in a previous government administration went way back in the George Allen days, which conservatives also look at as a great period of time for Virginia. She, you know, she ran the health and human services aspects of it. And um, the other thing that people know her for here is she's been dean of of Regents uh, School of Government. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, she is a stalwart when it comes to the issues we really care about, you know, the pro-life issues, the parental rights. So that is very encouraging. So, Victoria, what is she actually going to do? How is her appointment going to help? Well, okay, Secretary of the Commonwealth is one of those where a lot of people go, what does that actually do? But it's a huge uh, critical position for conservatives because that is the position that fills the appointments for every single board and commission in Virginia. And there are literally like 200 of these boards. Now, some of them are, seem unimportant to most of us. You know, the, the potato board is not going to affect most of our lives. But we have a potato board. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have a board for everything, Candy. Right. Um, you should look at the list. It's kind of entertaining, actually. But really, when you think about it, every university has a board of visitors. Well, in this moment with COVID and other things, that's a big deal who's setting policy for your universities. So um, this is the person that gets to screen those and say, is this person going to do right by the board? So we want a conservative there. And that's probably one of the most important, actually. All right. Off to a good start there. And we also got news of a new appointment to Secretary of Health and Human Services. Tell us what you know about that one, Victoria. Yeah, John Littell, also someone who had been in the Allen administration, so Virginians who have been around for a long time saw him. Um, he was actually deputy under Hey Cole James back in the day. Oh, really? Yes, okay. because she was in health, and so he was yeah. right underneath her. And so actually they've worked together, so that's kind of fun, But and they're friends actually, personally, um, and both great conservatives. In between that time, he's been in the private sector, so he um, helped run Amerigroup, which is a, you know, a, bit, a large healthcare company. Um, most recently, that got sold to Anthem, so after that he was out of that, and then he was in Magellan, um, which deals with Medicaid and all those kinds of things that are going to be now underneath him, because remember, this is a this is a position that has like 12, 13 agencies underneath it. So it's a it's a massive part of our government. And and I personally just want to say most importantly, I know that he is pro-life. And that really matters when we're looking at um, policies in Virginia. Yeah, his appointment is super important because it oversees 12 state agencies, including the Virginia Department of Health, right? Correct. Department of Health, um, Medicaid, which is a big one where abortion dollars can flow right on out the door. I mean, there's there's a fair amount that it impacts the life issue. And we know that our new attorney general, Jason Mieres, is also making some great appointments. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, every hire I hear about is just somebody that the conservative movement, if they knew them, they would love them. They, many of them are already known. Um, one that's I think a lot of people do know is DJ Jordan. He was a guy who um, ran for a House of Delegates seat here, um, but also has been just deeply tied to Liberty University and was actually worked for um, Senator Lankford up, at, up in Congress. And he's, you know, a conservative, amazing. U.S. Senator. And so anyway, there are these great decisions. So DJ is going to be his new chief of staff. Um, so that's an example. And then when I heard the name for his new solicitor general, that person is somebody that the moment the name went out, all the conservatives around the country that are in the legal field, I don't actually even, I don't know this individual, but they literally went, that is like getting the best of the best of the best to come move in your state and take that position. And so I just keep hearing 
fantastic things about um, the choices he's making. So we're looking forward. And think about what we're coming from with Attorney General Herring and, you know, the diversity positions going after the Values Act. So I'm just thrilled to see a total change in who's going to be running that office. Yes, opposite of where that was going. Yes. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, the super news is that all of these have been really encouraging appointments. And so far, we've only had, you know, one appointment that has raised some eyebrows and questions, and that is for the Secretary of Education. Uh, Victoria, tell us about this appointment and some of the concerns revolving around that that we're hearing. Yeah, well, I'll start with sort of what is her resume. So this is Amy Gadara. She is our new Secretary of Education. And just to kind of give you the official background, the thing she's most known for, I gather, is that she actually founded and then ran, of course, a company called Data Quality Campaign. And it was a national nonprofit which advocates for the using data well in the education space. Um, and so in, in the good sense, I'm excited that she comes from the direction of metrics that because Really, when you look at Virginia right now, our metrics are horrific. And so I really want somebody who actually doesn't excuse away the fact, for example, that in the last year, our our pass rates on all the SOLs dropped unbelievably. We've talked about that on this show before. Um, and, and the flight. She should look at the numbers of people flying out of the public schools. Um, so those are that's data that matters that I don't want someone to dismiss. So I really like that she comes from that background personally. I think that's a good thing for us because people try to whitewash numbers to make them look the way that they want them to look. And she also, also in her discussions, um, when you see her in writing talking about her company, a lot of it was talking about parents using data well to get the most out of their child's education. So I like that parents were center in most of the comments that I saw online that she had made. Okay. So those are the good things. Now, there is some criticism, so we should definitely address this. She does kind of come from a little bit of a background with um, some of these more liberal foundations. Yeah. In the data world, it's really hard to find data-centered education groups that don't have some kind of tie to things like the Gates Foundation because they kind of suck up all the oxygen in that kind of data education expert realm. Um, so you do have some involvement there. Um, I wouldn't say they're direct dots, um, directly connected dots necessarily. Yeah. It's, um, it's more like partners. It, yeah, yeah. This is the hard thing. You, you really have to dig to see, is it really deeply directly connected? Because yes, you get funding from a lot of these more liberal sources a lot of times. And we've actually heard that a lot of that, a lot of her company's worst connections to these foundations actually came after she left. That's the that's sort of the um, what we're hearing when we're at when we're starting to really dig around. So the question is just what does she believe about all of that? Um, Because along with some of that comes the equity issues and some of the things that Virginian Virginians are done with. You know, the parents spoke out against CRT. They don't want to see anybody that is remotely connected to that kind of thing. So bottom line is there's some flags and we're going to be watching. We need to just keep an eye on this. Uh, We don't want to see any kind of woke ideology get into our public schools with this new administration. Yeah, we just want to keep our eye on or maybe look more into what are the connections to what I would call the liberal educrat world, uh, where they sometimes would have connections to Common Core, 
social emotional learning, I think, is something we want to keep our eye on. So, yeah, I think you put that well, Victoria. That. But I, I, I have to just jump in here and say the good news is there were more appointments in the education sector that I think give us great hope. So um, let's I mean, let's just get straight to that, too, though. Yeah, we are super excited about that. So we learned that he has appointed for school superintendent Julian Balo. Tell yeah, us they, about I, her. I think that's how you say it. Um, she is has been superintendent in Wyoming, and so she's already kind of been in that role, which is great. Um, so we're not getting somebody that is trying this out for the first time. Let's put it that way. But um, we love what we see about her. You know, we don't know her yet, but we love what we see about her. Um, I particularly liked a statement that she made as she's coming on board to this new administration. So I just want to kind of repeat her statement here. She says, the work we will do to restore parents' voices in education – push for innovation and student success, enhance school choice, and to eliminate political ideology from the classroom will set a new tone in Virginia. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and if you look at her record in Wyoming, she has put action behind those words because she went after um, efforts to push things like critical race during the schools, and she was pretty public about fighting that through what was called a Transparency Act in her state that was going to put everything online for parents to look at, like the curriculum, the guidelines, the standards. Um, so she she did put the actions where her mouth is, I guess, so to speak. So I'm encouraged. Well, I think Virginians wanted to see somebody that had some kind of record in parental rights, transparency, you know, fleshing out and getting rid of CRT. And I think we, we, we look like we've got that. So that's exciting. And then there's the assistant superintendent. You want to tell Which us? Which we are super excited about because not only is she a member of our Fairfax group, Speak Up Fairfax, um, she's it's our very own Elizabeth Schultz that we know personally at the Family Foundation for many years. Um, she has just been a stalwart defender of parental rights issues in education. She was even, um, I think, a senior fellow on a group called Parents Defending Education. Um, she has been, she has experience on the Fairfax School Board. Um, she has been outspoken speaking up against sexually explicit curriculum, critical race theory. I mean, this is a woman that is passionate speaking up for the mama bears out there. Yeah, I, I mean, we've had anybody that's paid any attention to education in Virginia knows Fairfax has been the hub up until recently. Loudon's kind of taken that mantle of being the, the flashpoint of all these things. But before that, I would say Fairfax was always where the battle started. And it was whether it was what we're going to teach in FLE or these transgender policies. Fairfax was always leading the way. And she has been on that school board for since like 2012. And she has been sometimes among the only voice. Um, some, at the beginning, she had a few others. But um, I will tell you, you know, the only voice speaking out against this stuff. And so what I like about her is that you've got proven bravery. You're, you're not going to have somebody you're going to run over. And she knows the issues inside and out. And she also um, was in the U.S. Department of Education, too. So she's got sort of some D.C. policy experience on yeah, the education. Yeah, that was Trump um, during Trump's yes. yeah, administration. So anyway, we're, um, you know, any concerns that, that, that people might have a little bit of, and we're thinking about with the Secretary of Education are definitely alleviated uh, in the superintendent and assistant superintendent. So we will just see how all this plays out. But when you think about those roles, we're looking for somebody that's going to change the curricula, change the teacher training. We're looking for, um, we've got transgender model guidelines that need to be rewritten um, with the Department of Ed, which all starts sort of connected to the superintendent. So we're 
you know, kind of bated breath waiting to get some change going. Yeah, one reason these two positions are so important is because, as our listeners know, school boards across the state have had this continuous pressure to adopt these extreme transgender policies. So it's it's a good sign that we don't have radicals in these roles now that are going to put the heat on those schools and force that. And in fact, maybe they will actually take the pressure off. So that's certainly the hope. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, for today's award, I thought I'd talk about something I saw over Christmas break, and it's this tweet from a homeschooling mother of three in Arlington, Virginia, that went viral. And what happened is she saw this public letter put out from the Arlington Education Association, and it was about regulations for COVID. But apparently this letter was just riddled with gross grammatical errors. It was basic things like words left out, commas in the wrong place, or even the wrong word. And so I love what this mom did. She creatively decided to use it as a grammar lesson for her kids, and they all corrected this letter together, and then they posted it on social media, and it went viral. Yeah, I had to laugh. Her post actually tagged the Education Association and was like, hey, are you going to send out any more of those grammar worksheets? I mean, the whole thing was so entertaining because it was riddled with mistakes. I mean, the whole thing. But it was great to watch a homeschool family call attention, national attention, actually, to this illiterate letter, which, by the way, called for public schools to actually test their students and staff before they actually return to the classroom. So, Or I guess and, before teachers return oh, to the class. Okay. Yeah before teachers return to the classroom. But at the same time, it's actually kind of sad because you've got the whole education association trying to give health guidance when they can't even get basic grammar correct. I mean, no wonder parents are having trouble trusting educrats with their kids right now. Exactly. And I also think this once again highlights on a national scale how the education establishment keeps putting these adult politics over what kids need, whether it's COVID protocols or whatever else. I mean, I know we need to talk about those things, but they don't seem to be prioritizing kids' basic academic needs over these adult political issues. Yeah, I mean, now, to be fair, the Education Association president did explain that it was an uncorrected rough draft and it was accidentally distributed. But seriously, what does this mean that you don't even bother to proofread or double check because these political issues are so urgent that you got to rush the thing out the door? I really like that the mom who brought attention to this whole thing, Ellen Gallery, said on Fox News, quote, being able to write a clear, persuasive letter is a fundamental skill all students should master before high school. Right. Well, we do hope and pray that the school system can find a way to return to normal for the sake of our kids. But the way things are going, it does look like we're in for a long and bumpy ride with this, which is why we need to give this week's Inconceivable Award to the Arlington Education Association for putting politics over academics, but providing a great homeschool lesson. Well, that wraps up this week's show. If you'd like to send us your inconceivable nominations, email us at speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. Speak Up